Hello, everyone, and welcome to our podcast, Jaeger CPA Review and more. This podcast is sponsored by Jaeger CPA Review, the course provider that deals only with the ASCPA blueprints. Please go to the JaegerCPAReview.com website and look at our various products. And we believe in seeing is believing. And therefore, please look at our three-day free trial. Pick a subject, and it'll give you three days free access unlimited to that product. And I believe that once you look at that product and see how it works, you will pick Jaeger CPA Review as your course provider. If you have any questions, you can reach us at 301-874-4900. If you press 5, you may even talk to Phil Jaeger. Take care, everyone, on your journey for the CPA exam. We wish you the best and good luck. Hello, and thank you for tuning in to another episode of CPA Review and More. We are pleased to bring you the number one podcast for CPAs and CPA candidates. If you'd like to learn more about how Jaeger CPA Review can help you, find us on our website at JaegerCPAReview.com. Now, here's your host, Phil Jaeger. How'd you get your license, your CPA, if you didn't work in public accounting? Did you work for any public accounting firm? I did not. How'd you get the experience then? So, you know, as I mentioned to you, uh, Phil, my experience came from doing the the, the work uh, in my parents' business. And when I say the work, I'm talking about bookkeeping, doing you know, yeah. finance, payroll services. But really, my experience came from providing you know, consulting firms on how to transition and implement uh, best practices in their firm on transitioning to cloud technology. And, you know, that's something that, that you know, we've heard a lot of is how do you make that uh, that change. So a lot of it came from hands-on working with these firms on how in the world were they going to disrupt the processes and the structure that the partners had set up to implement these new types of services. So again, as someone that has always had a strong uh, student mentality is, is, is I learned and I learned from, from the outside. And sometimes people ask me, you know, well, how did you get started? Or, you know, how are you, did you get to this uh, position without being uh, an accountant by trade? And I think running the the Contavi Alliance and an association for accounting firms, they don't need me to be a CPA. They need me to help them with other um, challenges that are facing their firms with, you know, how they bill for their services and how they create a, a culture within their firm to better serve the needs of their clients. So I think um, uh, those are the types of outside the box or outside of the scope or maybe intangibles uh, that they needed from me as they uh, transformed their firms. The experience requirement in most states now is working a public accounting firm one year, I think it is, or uh, if you work in a company and there's a CPA who's your supervisor, all right, they can sign off as you, they believe you have the experience. Who, how did you get your license? I mean, did someone sign off and say you had the experience? Is that how you got it? Did you know someone at the state board? No, I'm just kidding. Uh, no, no so I mean, they're, they're, so, they're so hell-bent on this experience of working under a CPA and working for a CPA. They don't give you the say, hey, you know, I learn more from helping companies uh, with their accounting. All right. They don't count that. All right. No. So, you know, what was the factor 
And please, if I'm, I don't mean to put you on the spot here, but I, I'm just curious, because these states are just make the experience so difficult, they turn people off, all right? Tell me, what, what was your process? If you, if you don't mind sharing with me, I, yeah. I, I don't want to get into where, hey, you know, Arthur, tell me how you got it, all right? <laughs> so again, uh, you know, I don't know if I explained it correctly. So I, I did not work at a CPA firm. I am not a CPA, so there wasn't anybody that I worked under. I worked side by side with accounting professionals and CPAs to build that experience, but in no way do I look to represent myself as a CPA um, in, in that sense. Are you a CPA? You are a CPA, aren't no, you? No, I'm, I'm oh, not. I'm sorry. I misunderstood. Okay. Uh, is, let me ask you, uh, why did you not? Did you want to take the CPA exam? It just... What made you decide, oh, I don't really need to be a CPA, all right? Yeah. What was well, your thinking on that? What was your thinking on that? You know, the, the, there was a time where, 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 where I did consider it, you know, when I really started to come into my own in, in my career on the tech side that was serving the CPA community. Right. And, you right. know, I thought to myself, you know what, if, if I'm going to be successful at this, you know, I'm going to need... To, to have my credential. I mean, I, I've got my MBA, that's helped me, but, you know, I need some of these credentials, these letters that follow the names of, you know, some of the, you know, uh, the thought leaders in the industry, right? The thought leaders? <laughs> is uh, is that a phone call? Is that one thought leader that you, go ahead, I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah, no, is that something that is, um, you know, that's something you don't mention on your show here? But yes, I mean, it's something that I considered, but I, I again I realized that the firms that I was consulting, the team uh, that I was uh, so the team that I was building, it, it was something that I didn't need to do the work that I was doing in in my role, and uh, and so therefore you know it, it's something that I was that that I didn't consider, but I know. Phil, that, you know, it, with, with your business and, and uh, the the review, you know, you're, you're looking at, you know, how do we reach more young people? How do we reach more people for that path of, of a CPA? And so I, I think that there's definitely an opportunity to position the, the profession in a way that is attractive, that goes beyond, you know, maybe someone's belief that, okay, if I'm going to be an account, I'm going to be in a cubicle and I'll be doing that data entry. I'm going to get a stack of work and, you know, it never ends. And like, this is what an account. So I think it's painting that sounds the picture. Boring. That sounds yeah. boring to me. Yeah. Yeah. So, so it, it's about painting the picture of how exciting it is. And I believe that accounting is the international language of business. Oh, definitely. So definitely. Re- regardless of what you do, in your career as a young person, if you get accounting, if you incorporate that into your uh, experience and pursue that CPA, it will do nothing but help you in your career, regardless if you stay in practice or outside of practice. And so it's kind of painting that picture of like, this will definitely help you regardless of where you work, anywhere in the world, because the numbers are international right and, and and that doesn't change regardless of what language you speak it's all about the numbers for a small business and so if someone can understand how to um, communicate and interpret that and help business businesses or even their own business be successful i think it, it just makes that that designation also all the more important so again it's painting the picture of what that looks like beyond 
the uh, you know uh, the firm, but uh, operating your own practice, but also outside of practice of how it has helped professionals excel in their careers. Do you know of people uh, who have been turned off by the requirements to be a CPA? I think more so my experience is uh, working with um, smaller firms that might may have other designations or have uh, bookkeeping or accounting experiences. They built a practice that is successful and that has been lucrative for them without having that designation. So I think it's kind of like, well, if I'm already running a bookkeeping business or a tax business doing individual returns, et cetera, but they don't need to provide the compilations or they don't need to provide the finance, uh, the audited financial statements. And, you know, why do it? I've already got a, a successful business. So I think that's one of the situations and one of the scenarios. I mean, yeah, if, they, if they're doing tax returns, they can get the uh, enrolled agent. That's right. And you know what? It's not as hard to qualify for that as the CPA, you know. Uh, right. Uh, yeah. What What other areas are there, do you deal with with people getting another designation? Do you know? Well, obviously, as a financial advisor, right, in finance, you need to have another designation depending on, you know, on the, the type of work that you're doing. But I think, you know, and you've probably seen this, Phil, is there so, so many platforms out there that provide educational content that for many people, they're even not looking at going to a four-year university anymore because they're finding these platforms or getting their education. Oh, yeah. I I meet so many people who are brilliant in uh, computers, and they maybe did two years of, uh, you know, accounting. Not accounting. I got to get accounting. Two years of college. And you know what? They're very successful. Yes. All right? I'm not saying that uh, you have to get a degree. I mean, really... What I'm, I mean, there is, there is a shortage of people taking the CPA exam now. In fact, over the past ten years, number of people who are taking the exam has dropped about fifty percent. All right, and it's still dropping. All right, and for example, they, they, you know, the question is why is it dropping? Well, you know, you want to be a CPA, you got to go really for more or less five years of education. As this 150 hour rule, okay? Yeah. And, uh, you know, and, and, you know, if you get a CPA, uh, you know, 150 hours, that's an extra year. You have to spend the money for tuition or whatever. All right. So, and then the starting salaries, all right, they're not higher than, uh, than someone who's a, a financial analyst or anything, you know? So that's the mistake. The other, mis- I think the other mistake is that, they're not taking into account that, hey, this profession is still, it's always been where you don't have a quality of life. All right. They work you to death, the CPA firms. Okay. And, you know, this is a different generation. Okay. Maybe my generation, you just accepted that during tax season, they called it, I would work 55 hours a week. But they said, you know what? We only require, all right, for the rest of the year, uh, from January 1st to maybe April 15th, we work 55 hours a week, right? But the rest of the year, only 35 hours a week. That's great, all right? 35 hours, they think is generous. Hey, compare us to other countries, right? Right? Do other countries 
have it where 35 hours is on. Hey, that's the best thing. Maybe two weeks vacation. All right. Hey, we work people here, I think, to death. And I think they're burned out. A lot of people burned out. And yeah. I'm not sure people today, you know, the young people coming out, all right, want to deal with that. First of all, accounting is, unless you really know what you're getting into, accounting was never the most exciting profession. All right. But unlike years ago, all right, where all you had when you came out of college was you could work for a CPA firm doing audits. All right. But you did very little of the audits. All right. I was talking to this young lady yesterday. She's been with a CPA firm for one year. Okay. All right. You know what she's done in that one year? Bank reconciliations. All right. All right. Uh, sending out accounts receivable confirmations. Getting the letters from the attorney and trying, and I'm listening to this. And I said to myself, if you only need a year experience, let's assume you decide to go into practice a year from now. You don't know any, you don't know enough to open a practice. All right. Yeah. And so this whole thing of one year, two years experience, I don't know what goes on there at the SCPA, but all right, they don't, I, I, I think this is the problem. When I was coming out of college, everyone worked at the SCPA in any type of position, all right? We were, they were all CPAs, all right? Today, God, they have the SCPA, so many non-CPAs working here, all right? Giving presentations. They, you know, so that's one thing. And I'll say it this way, all right? The IMA is taking over. You know, the CMA is becoming a very big, you know, certification, yeah. okay? In fact, it's accepted more in foreign countries than the CPA. Why? That extra year, all right? The extra year, you know, of education. Uh, I think a lot of people, I've seen people write down that if I got rid of the 150-hour rule, all right, the profession might open up, right? But they're not going to get rid of that because that was passed by every state legislature. And they're not going to go back to them now and say, gee, we made a mistake. Yeah. You know, so there's too many problems. And I, I stay, as I tell people, I, I do the podcast and stay in the profession right now, uh, not for the money. Uh, you know, I, I did all right for many years because I ran a CPA review school and I was a certified financial planner. All right. I took the CFP exam. And so I was in different things. And, I was not born with a silver spoon in my mouth. So I had, you know, I did it all. And you know what? When I got out of school, you know what the requirements were to get the CPA in Maryland? No experience requirement and a bachelor's degree in accounting. That was it. All right. Not a bachelor's degree. We have to take six credits in this. Three, very simple. And you know what? People passed the exam and I'm sure they didn't destroy the clients that they had. All right. Now that is all changed. Yeah. All right. That was the kiss principle. Keep it simple, stupid. Yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. Well, you know, I think I think it's great what you're doing here with the podcast, Phil, and I think just continuing to, again, help folks with the CPA exam. Some people might try to take do it do it on their own, but that you know there there needs to be the 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 review school. And so that people don't get discouraged, like what happens if if they're taking it but they they miss 
uh, by a point or a couple points on one on one of the exams, right? So having providing the services and, and resources that you do help along that way. And so, you know, it, you know, it's definitely great for me to kind of share my experience from an outsider. And, well, and my the, experience I have to tell you, I'm one person. Okay. All right. Hey, the AICPA said their primary purpose is to uh, protect the public. I asked them at the AICPA, what about the CPA candidates? And they said, that's not their problem. And there's passing rates that are so ridiculous. They don't monitor it. So I think they should be an advocate for the CPA candidate. All right. And that's not the case. Hey, you're trying to advocate for the Latino population, right? Yes. All right. How many people help you with that? Do you have people helping you? Our members, I've got, uh, you know, partners uh, that help with that. So there's some other organizations that, you know, kind of see things uh, similar and, you know, doing the best we can. Yeah. And I, I, I hate to hear when you say only 6% of Latinos, you know, uh, there's so many people out there that, uh, you know, could be, get these positions, you know, what doesn't have to be in accounting. Okay. Uh, they could be in, uh, hey, they could do advisory work for uh, la- Latino businesses yes. uh, because they speak their language. Seriously. Right. All right. I think you have to speak bilingual today. Yeah. Yeah. They might be bilingual. They might uh, uh, relate to them more culturally. So, I mean, uh, again, I see I see the, the, the Latino market is a big opportunity for the profession. And it starts with, you know, finding the right talent, right? You've got to have the experience, but also folks that are culturally representative uh, enough to, to, to connect with those small businesses. And I think it, it's definitely an area of opportunity. And the question is, what would you recommend to, this is the final question, what would you recommend to uh, a person who is Latino who would come to you and say, you know, I, I don't know what to do. I, I'm graduating high school. I know it's a tough age for someone to figure out what they want to do, but I'm graduating high school. All right. What do you think I should do? All right. What would, is that a tough question to advise them? No, I, I would share with them my experience uh, and I would encourage them to get a, uh, get a degree in accounting and finance. I mean, again, being blessed to have a global perspective of knowing that that, that the numbers are what drive this, uh, the economy in the world. It's like, if you can uh, study uh, in accounting and finance, then you will understand the language of business. And if you can understand the language of business, there's no shortage of opportunities for you as a young person uh, understanding that. So I, I definitely see those would be my words is you did you want to be in marketing you sound like you like marketing uh, a lot all right uh would you like to be just in marketing or you want to be in the accounting area all right you sound like a great marketing person <laughs> oh really you do you do yeah well you know i i uh, i studied marketing but again uh, having that that entrepreneurial dna and working with my parents business was led naturally uh, to business and hey, marketing sales. I mean, I think in life we're always selling something, right? Whether it's our idea, our business, uh, something. So I, I think it, it's something that's great. To, yeah, yeah you're selling yourself all, all the time, right? So I think it's something that's that's helped me along my career. But it's definitely understanding how businesses function and operate. And again, that goes back to the accounting side of things. Is you know how how they operate. So that's the advice that I would give to a young person with their, you know, deciding on what, what it is that they want to study or do is I would tell them to do that because the opportunities are limitless um, when you have a, a sound background in accounting and finance. 
Yeah, Arthur, you really impressed me. Yeah, I'm very impressed that uh, you have all this uh, sales background. You built up businesses, you know, and uh, you're still building up. And God, you look so young, too, which is, <laughs> I think is good. But no, I, I think I was listening to what you've done, and I think it's great. I mean, you have other qualities. I don't have to tell you this, all right? But you'd be Thank great you. to tell people how to build up businesses or right, who have trouble. That's the hardest thing is to, where do I start building up a business? All right. That they don't teach necessarily in school. I don't know. Do they teach that in entrepreneurship programs? You know, I, you know, no. I until grad school is when I took the first entrepreneurship um, course. Well, I have to tell you, I think you would be better than any entrepreneurship. All right. All right. <laughs> It's the school of hard knocks. That's really what it is. All right. Hey, I, I appreciate you being on here. And I probably spoke too much. Okay. Uh, uh, I'm very passionate about the profession. Not because I did not want to be a CPA or an accountant. All right. I wanted to be in marketing. But once I got my degree in accounting, wherever I went to a company, it's say. You know, he's probably good in marketing, but you know what? We have a good accounting job here. All right. That's who the placement companies wanted to send me to. That's easier to place me there, get their commission. So what I would say is, all right, go into an area that you think you would be good at. And you know something? All right. You can learn something if you didn't have it. Don't be an accountant just because I am telling you to be an accountant. And also, I mentioned one last thing. My mother said, if you don't major in accounting, I won't pay you tuition. <laughs> so uh, I, you know, I'm not, I'm not complaining at this point, but, you know, I just think that there's so many opportunities today, more so than we had 40 years ago. Take advantage of them. All right. Hey, listen to people like Arthur. You know, he's probably the best person to listen to. <laughs> uh, more so than anybody with all his experience. So thank you, Phil. And no, I mean I really appreciate, and I've had you know, hey, talking to different people that you know. All right, they have they've taught me a lot. You're never too old to learn. No, no, and 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 things are changing so quickly, uh, and so yeah, the profession has to um, adjust as those changes come. I mean, a few days ago, I received my first, uh, NFT, right? So it's like, all right, this whole, uh, crypto and, and NFTs and how those impact, uh, income, et cetera. So there's, there's things changing quickly. And again, a, a need for, for accounting and that's maybe a rabbit hole, you know, maybe another hour to talk about that specifically, but yeah, no, you know, that's, that's great. That's great. Yeah. But, uh, again, appreciate you having me on and you know, let me, know. Uh, well, let me just say, I appreciate you being on. I really do. And I think you added a lot. So anyway, I want to thank yeah. Arthur Garcia. All right. Uh, and by the way, most people don't know I am 50% Latino. Okay. No, I'm just kidding. You. Uh, <laughs> I was going to say, I've, I've got a, I've got a DNA test for you. You know, we can kind of yeah, get, like, get your break down. Yo, know, I have a friend of mine who's Italian. So what, who's your big competitor in that DNA testing? Is that the, uh, Oh, well, there, there's there's other players in the market like 23andMe and Ancestry. Well, a friend of mine who lives in Rhode Island, where I went to school, you know, Italian, 100%. Okay, he came, he took one of those company. He found out that he's 20% Jewish, which was very interesting. I thought that was interesting. You know, so 
Hey, hey, I wish you the best of luck with everything. Thank you. Uh, and by the way, you sound like you have a beautiful family and uh, enjoy them. They grow up fast. I don't have to tell you that. And, uh, and once again, I want to thank you. Uh, I want to thank Arthur Garcia, who is a tech leader and has a lot of information to share. I'm sure that if you have any questions for him, all right, you can contact him. Uh, they can reach me on, 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 on Twitter. I'm pretty active there, at Arthur F. Garcia. And you can also connect with me on LinkedIn. Okay, sounds good. All right, Arthur, I want to thank you. And by the way, everyone, I want to thank you for making us such a successful podcast, all right? We're in the top 10% of a you know business, which includes accounting, podcast. Actually, people enjoy listening to this. And I think to myself, they do? All right, but, you know, really, it's, and I appreciate it. I appreciate all the positive comments I get, all right? So, therefore, just keep those rolling out there. And if you want a certain guest in a certain area, please write to me. Call me. It's my phone number, 301-874-4900. 301-874-4900, extension 5. And if there's anything I can do to help you or you're interested in a certain topic, I'll find someone who knows that topic, Okay. Take care, everyone. Stay well, stay healthy. And most of all, we've gone through this pandemic. I thought people would learn to be nicer to other people. Uh, I don't see that a lot. All right. So therefore, be nice to people. Okay. We only have each other. Correct. I mean, that's really it. All right. Arthur, take care, stay well, and hopefully I'll talk to you soon. Thank you. Thank you so much for listening to Jaeger CPA Review and more. As a token for our appreciation for your listenership, we'd like to offer you 10% off your next purchase with Jaeger CPA Review. Save between $50 to $150 with code PODCAST10. If you'd like more information, look us up on JaegerCPAReview.com. And as always, if you've enjoyed this show, please rate and review on iTunes or your preferred listening platform. Again, thank you so much for listening, and we look forward to you tuning in next time. Hello, everyone, and welcome to our podcast, Jaeger CPA Review and more. This podcast is sponsored by Jaeger CPA Review, the course provider that deals only with the ASCPA blueprints. Please go to the JaegerCPAReview.com website and look at our various products and We believe in seeing is believing. And therefore, please look at our three-day free trial. Pick a subject, and it'll give you three days free access unlimited to that product. And I believe that once you look at that product and see how it works, you'll pick Jaeger CPA Review as your course provider. If you have any questions, you can reach us at 301-874-874. 4900. If you press five, you may even talk to Phil Yeager. Take care, everyone, on your journey for the CPA exam. We wish you the best and good luck. Hello, and thank you for tuning in to another episode of CPA Review and More. We are pleased to bring you the number one podcast for CPAs and CPA candidates. If you'd like to learn more about how Jaeger CPA Review can help you, find us on our website at JaegerCPAReview.com. Now, here's your host, Phil Jaeger. Hello, everyone. It's Phil Jaeger here. 
and welcome to CPA Review and more. And usually most of these, you know, podcasts are more, all right? We don't keep talking about the CPA exam, all right? We don't want to be the cure for insomnia, all right, and put you to sleep. So today, and by the way, as I said, we scan the globe looking for the best people, all right? And you know what? We found we found the globe and under the globe. <laughs> no, we found a very I don't I don't book the guests actually. <laughs> I have someone, but I, he's been doing it for two years and you know he gets me some real nice people and uh, enjoy talking to him. I learn stuff and I hope you will learn stuff. Our guest today is Arthur Garcia. All right. Arthur is a tech leader. I'm just gonna read this author from your LinkedIn thing. Uh, co-founder of COO Somas, uh, co-founder of Katabi Alliance. And by the way, all right, he's, all right, I love this group. They've never invited me to be part of it. He's part of the accounting top 20 under 40, all right? Now, the reason they told me I wasn't invited to join is because I'm over 40, all right? <laughs> all right, now, so I said, hey, start one 40 to 60 or something like that. I'd be the first member and I'd start recruiting people. Okay. All right. But I haven't heard back. Who what's that? Who's the, uh, is that a, like accounting today or? It's a CPA, it was CPA practice advisor, but as you all know, uh, there's been some consolidation. So, uh, the CPA practice advisor was acquired, uh, recently. And do they still have the, uh, top 20 under 40? Yeah, I believe so. But as you alluded to, I think um, I no longer qualify for that. You're not 40, are you? Are you are you over 40 or 40 or over? Yeah, yeah. Uh, this, oh this, my is, God. This, yes. this is my year. I mean, I know. Arthur, uh, you look so young. I, you know, I, I don't know what to say. You know? It's the cucumbers, Phil. It's the cucumbers. And you're married. It's the married. How long have you been married? How long have you been married? Almost 15 years. Wow. So you got married when you were what? 10 years old? <laughs> 10, 10. All right. And uh, children? You have children? I do. I've got three children. Uh, my oldest is turning 10 next week. Uh, my daughter is eight and my youngest son is six years old. So, uh, well, as we say, God bless you with that. That's unbelievable. Okay. You love children? Do you love children? Absolutely. Absolutely. That's, no, I think that's terrific. Uh, I'm going to show you how old I am. I only have one daughter and she just turned 50. Okay. Yeah. And she's convinced that her next thing is to an assisted living center. Mm. So, uh, you know, she starts work. God, I just turned 50. I'm old. I don't know how many years I have left. This is what I listen to. All right. <laughs> but, and I have two grandchildren, two grandchildren. Okay. And uh, one started the University of Alabama this year. Oh, excellent. Uh, and they have a very good football team. I I've heard about that that school you know once or twice but yes they do have an excellent football team. Excellent and actually Arthur lived in Colorado. I was just discussing that with him because I lived in Denver for a while. All right, and the people there I don't know how they are today, but all they talked about and actually the city came to a halt. I said that's this is my New York accent. City came to a halt when there was a Broncos game. Do you remember yes. that? Yeah, I mean. It's amazing. Even a preseason game, they all, you know, everything stopped. Yes, yes. Yeah, we, and, you know, we were trying to sell our house, and uh, the realtor had someone to look at it, and the realtor said, I'm sorry, it's 5 o'clock, and we're going to a preseason game. We'll come over tomorrow with the person. 
I said, what kind of real estate agent do you? You know, but anyway. So anyway, Arthur, tell us about yourself personally. Uh, you do exactly what? Tell us what you do and how you, by the way, did you work, you came out of school and did you work for a CPA firm initially? I did not, but one of my first uh, jobs working in the family business was doing the bookkeeping and payroll for my family's uh, restaurant when I was growing up in Denver. So we had a Mexican restaurant for 12 years and I helped the the, the family business uh, operate. So I mean, flash forward, it's essentially what I'm doing now as an operator for, for a startup as a, as a co-founder. But yeah, I mean, you know, when, once I left school, I, I started working in the uh, on the vendor side at at, uh, at Paychex. So I you know got my start in sales there, working with accountants, uh, with financial institutions, and small businesses, and that really teed me up after six years in, in leading a team there for uh, my role at Zero, where I helped uh, build the initial sales team and really helped kind of uh, structure our go to market and uh, and uh, accounting channels. So. I mean, if you can picture back in 2013, Zero was, you know, uh, brand new to the U.S. market. And there was about 10, 12 of us in the south of the market here in San Francisco figuring out how we were going to take on, you know, the the big competitor and how we were going to establish ourselves in the, in the country. So those were definitely amazing times in my career with, you know, how we took something that was new, innovative and kind of disrupted uh, a lot of what um you know, what was standard in the uh, accounting profession. So, you know, that that kind of led to, you know, just a, a love and, and, and passion for helping small businesses, uh, consulting accounting firms. And, you know, after six years, I decided, you know what, I think I can I, I can do this. So I left and I joined a national franchisor and uh, called ATAX. And we had about 45 offices that were offering tax uh, accounting, bookkeeping services, payroll, and did that for uh, a couple years. And then uh, we actually exited. So that, that company was acquired by John Hewitt of Lo- uh, Loyalty Brands, uh, a name you might be familiar with, uh, the founder of Liberty Tax and Jackson Hewitt. And so then I was kind of left looking for the next um, opportunity. But before that, I really connected with accounting professionals uh, across the Americas and with a few former colleagues of mine, uh, we launched the Contavi Alliance with a focus on building a community of bilingual Spanish-speaking uh, uh, accounting professionals in the U.S., Canada, all the way down to Argentina. And so building community, sharing best practices. Uh, and so we've, we've now grown to about 75-member firms in 15 countries. And so that keeps me very well connected to, to the profession and working with different partners but uh, one, of, one of the new projects is, is Somos Ancestria. And what really allowed me to be a part of that project was my knowledge of starting a business in, in the U.S., navigating compliance and getting uh, everything set up. So my co-founders were based in Mexico and they were looking for someone to help them launch in the U.S. And what Somos is, it's, uh, it's the, the first direct-to-consumer ancestry service for the native and uh, Latino communities. So the problem that we're trying to solve there is when you take a look at all of the data that's available for scientific research and uh, drug discovery, uh, 1.2% is represented by the Latino population. So obviously that's a problem. And also 1% of clinical trials comes from that community. So 
And that's the focus there. Um, we, we sell e-commerce, a kit like this. Uh, user provides us a live oh, well, That is very, what is that now? Is that a uh, first aid kit? What is it? This is a DNA saliva kit. So hey, hey, was I close? You were close. Wait, wait, yeah, can, you, I, can I spit it in that box? And you, what, you can give me a DNA of myself? Yeah, actually, there's a tube in there, and you provide a saliva sample, and we're able to provide you with a report that gives you percent of global ancestry as well as indigenous to the Americas. So we're able to provide you a breakdown of your ancestral roots, and then in the future, some health insights, some genetic counseling, etc., all for the purpose of accelerating um, the discovery of tailored medicine. So that's that's kind of how I pivoted from accounting to, you know, you could call it biotech, but uh, essentially health, health tech is what we're doing. But I wouldn't be able to be in the role that I am today as an operator without having that core foundation of accounting and finance that I've learned throughout my career and build, being able to build a network of accounting professionals uh, has, has really helped. Your major was accounting in school, right? My major was business, but yes, uh, 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 yeah, uh, marketing and accounting. And I think, you know, you, you raise a good point. You know, what am I doing on this show here? You know, I'm not, I'm not a CPA. Well, do you have work- talent? I'm going to make you play an instrument, you know, because America, <laughs> America's got talent in San Francisco. But anyway, go ahead. Yes, I've built my career in really working to help uh, accounting professionals um, along the way with the transformation of their practices. So I've had the opportunity to connect with many firms uh, from big four, small uh, regional firms, and really uh, have a, a pulse of the industry, if you will, from the vendor side and the new advancements of technology, but also how firms operate, how they work, the war for talent. We were talking about this earlier, is, you know, how do accounting firms um, find the talent that they need to continue to grow and offer these services that are beyond compliance, but also uh, services and value-added services that uh, maybe are, you know, you don't learn while you're studying accounting. No, I don't think you really, uh, you don't learn the real world there. And I found, like, for example, uh, they taught consolidations in college. I had an advanced accounting. And I did not understand the thing that person was talking about. All right. Now, of course, the person who taught it was a... uh, uh, a doctor, doctorate, and he never worked in accounting. All right. So he was teaching me strictly from the book. But, you know, I think you'll have to agree. You learn, all right, when you start working, all right, and then you can see the real picture. I think that's really the case. Yeah, I'm absolutely. Uh, not, you know, when I started, uh, you know, I didn't work in a firm, but, you know, I've, I've always had a strong student mentality. You know, if if we were going to be positioning our our products or our services to the accounting profession, I had to take that ownership and learn the vocabulary, right? I had to know the difference between a compilation, a review, and an audit, and I needed to know how a firm operated, what were the processes, and what were the procedures, and, you know, how they built for their time. You know, my opinion is accounting professionals make money in three ways. Number one, for their time, based on their experience. Number two, And then three, their expertise. So, you know, I don't know if you agree with those three, but I think, you know, as a young accounting professional, those are the three areas that I would focus. Well, if I'm brand new, I don't have the experience yet. So I've got to go find it. You know, where can I go? Is it uh, building a a niche practice? It's focused on a specific industry. Is that how I want to differentiate myself? So those were the types of things and areas that I would look at when working with firms and how they were positioning themselves in the market to grow. 
I don't believe uh, an accountant, CPA, whatever, all right, can actually make a good living by charging on an hourly basis. Right. Okay? All right. I think you have to be paid for your value. Absolutely. And, but, you know, the first thing when you go in and try to get a client, all right, they say, how much do you charge? And if you say to them, well, I, you know, I don't charge by the hour. I charge by the value of my services. All right. The problem is at the time I was in Denver, there were so many non CPAs. All right. There was mobile accounting services. All right. Charging $75 a month to come in there and give them financial statements, payroll. All right. And, you know, uh, a lot of the small businesses went with that instead of a CPA. And they didn't know the value. Actually, I don't think they knew what a CPA does. Right. I, I blame that on the uh, our professionals, societies, whatever. All right. You need to show, hey, yes, mobile is strictly, hey, you want a financial statement? That's great. Anybody can do that today. Uh, but the question is, can they look at that statement and tell you and give you advice on what you're doing or not doing? All right. I don't think that, you know, they're not, you know, actually anybody going to work for them or start that franchise. So I think people really need to know what a CPA is, all right, and what he does. Right, and, absolutely. Uh, yeah, and I think that's what's lacking. I don't know how you feel about that. Yeah, absolutely. I think um, you, you're, you're, you're talking about the, the, the value that's perceived by the customer, and so I think that's definitely uh, an opportunity for accounting firms to better uh, present their engagements and what's included and what's that peace of mind that they have with working with the firm beyond the, the compliance side. But I think when we're talking about value of the firm, I think that's also might be something that's affecting the number of folks sitting for the CPA exam, right? Like how much do they value uh, that? You know, if vendors are promoting to students or bookkeepers that, you know, all you need to start an accounting firm is uh, a laptop and download and, and start using one of the, the platforms, major platforms for accounting, then, then you have what you need. So why sit for the CPA exam? Why spend that time, invest that money? So, I mean, you, you know the numbers well, Phil, but, you know, one of the areas that, that I look at in working with uh, the Contabi Alliance is the, the disparities, or I guess the lack of diversity in the profession uh, based on the AICPA stats that, that were released or 6% of uh, Latinos that are represented in CPA firms uh, across in, in all positions. And then when you look at actual CPAs in the profession, this is based on the 2019 study, uh, there's 4% of uh, Latinos that are represented in that space. And then even smaller amount are, in, are partners. So 2%. So that's the, that's one of the areas that, that we uh, work on at the Contavi Alliance is how do we educate future generations? How do we build that value so that um, they are able to uh, pursue a CPA, but also better serve the needs of the, uh, the businesses that they're looking to serve? Is a cost of attending college uh, a reason, one of the reasons having such low percentages of Latinos in you know, big four. Is this big four you're saying that there's only 6% Latinos in big four? No, that, that's in, in, in CPA firms. So this is done by the AICPA, uh, a study that they did back in uh, 2019 and something that they do, they do regularly. Okay. And uh, what are they doing about it? 
Anything? <laughs> well, um, the change won't come overnight, but it, it's one thing to have the to do the study and see what the numbers actually are. But then, you know, there's a number of things that need to happen. So a, a good friend of mine, uh, Jessica Velasquez, who's a CPA with Indivia Advisors, is now on the AICPA National Commission for Diversity. Sometimes there's the belief that you cannot be what you cannot see. So if, if we see that there's only 2% of partners in CPA firms, then for someone that's studying accounting in undergrad, or if someone is, you know, deciding on, on, on what to study on, if they, if, if they don't see people in the profession that look like them, then, you know, that could be uh, something that, you know, doesn't motivate them or interest them because they, they, they become lost in pursuing uh, the full, you know, in going to the extent of, of getting their CPA. So I think there's uh, some work that's being done, but, but there's definitely more to do having the conversation. And that's why I thank you for, for having this space uh, and creating this space is, is to be able to talk about it, right? Because we know that diversity means many different things. There's gender diversity, uh, there's ethnic diversity. And so we can't attack the thing just, we can't attack it just by with one lens of diversity in general. We actually have to peel, peel back the layers and identify where those challenges are. So the, it's, a, it's a really good report that the ASCPA put out there. So if anybody's listening, uh, in the audience that wants to take a further look at that, they can definitely have a look uh, at that report. Well, I think it's great to have reports. <laughs> the question is, I mean, you know, these every large corporation uh, is not for profits uh, uh, or like the AICPA, all right? All right. Hey, at any one day, they're having meetings all day about things, okay? All right. And I sometimes wonder, right? It's like, uh, you know, let's keep ourselves busy. Uh, uh, let's have lunch. Let's discuss it. Uh, and you know what? I'll sign you to look at it and get us back some information on it, say, in six months. All right. I, yeah. I, I wonder, you know, with all these meetings, some of these people are professional meters. Uh, they don't really get, all right, this 6%, that's pretty low, as yeah. you said. All right. And the question is, who is doing something about it? All right. You're only one person. Who else is doing something? Well, that's a very good question. There, there, there's not enough folks uh, doing it, but there is some work. You know, there's uh, there's an organization out there called Alpha. It's the uh, right. Association for uh, Latino Professionals for America. It used to be called uh uh, something different focused on accounting, but there, there are organizations out there working with students at the undergrad level um, to get them uh, prepared and get them exposure to some, to some of these big firms and, and not just the big four, but, but other firms. So, so there's work being done, but there, you know, that we need more and we need more people that uh, again, that are representative of the, of the community in these roles and in these positions, to be able to share their stories uh, with others. Yeah, I'm sure you know this. Uh, back in the late 1800s, early 1900s, all right, we had tremendous, you know, migration of, you know, Jews, Eastern European Jews, all right, who came to the United States. And they all came to Ellis Island. And the one thing they had to show was, all right, that they could do a certain job, all right, whether you're a plumber, all right, you do seamstress, you know, sewing, that type of thing. And, all right, if you couldn't do anything, they would just send you back. And, uh, but 
the you know I don't know what the percent I don't know if they sent back that many that I, I don't remember, but uh, it was like these people they were so appreciative, all right, because America is where they thought you know that was the land of milk and honey here, but you know it's so different today. There's so much politics, right? They use diversity not to you know increase the number of people coming in who are Latinos. But they use it as a political tool. They yeah. bounce it back, you know. And uh, I, you know that's I don't agree with that. Uh, but I, I I believe you do need more. There's a lot of good people. Right? Yes. That you know six percent. Yeah, that's other good people. All right, and they're complaining. We have a shortage of accountants. All right. What do they do? They go to colleges, universities, and try to recruit there the people. What percentage of the people? Uh, who are Latinos, all right, do go to college. You know the percentages on that? Enrolled in college, uh, we, we I, I don't have the exact uh, percentage, but, you know, that's part of the work also is, is getting more folks into college. But we know that those numbers are are, are increasing. Uh, so I don't have that that uh, specific number. But beyond the accounting profession, it's also something on the tech side. As 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 I mentioned, you know, I worked on on the tech side of things, and Latinos represent eight percent of all tech employees. So when you take a look at the representation of employees working at tech companies, and whether it's in customer service, customer experience, or even sales, again, there's a segment of the market that is ripe for. Um, you know, for acquiring, right? So I just came back from a conference in San Diego and, you know, the numbers are, are loud and clear that Latinos are are starting new businesses at a faster rate than the non-Latino cohort, almost 34%. So if that if the economy is growing quickly in, the, in that uh, area, in that segment, well, they're going to look for accounting professionals that look like them, that might be bilingual. And it doesn't have to be Spanish. I mean, the, the large majority of the 60 million Hispanics and Latinos in the, in the U.S. are going to speak English. So it's just a matter of connecting with them culturally. But also, uh, there, you know, there's a big need on the technology side with some of the, a lot of the vendors and being able to mirror the customer and able to serve that market. So I see that as an opportunity for the accounting profession is to hire um, with that intent uh, for diversity and, and, and talent to, to meet the growing needs uh, of the community because, I mean, it's, it's, it's a reality. It's uh, one of the fastest growing populations and there's, we're starting businesses a lot faster than non-Latino cohort overall. Uh, what type of businesses are they starting? Small businesses uh, uh, initially. Um, so that's going to be from uh, construction. It could be food services. It could be health. Stanford puts out a great report uh, every single year. It's called the State of Latino uh, Entrepreneurship. Right. I'm, I'm a graduate of uh, the Stanford uh, Latino Scaling Initiative. So it's research that put, that's put on by Stanford, and they put out this, this report that gives insights on the industries. And that's something I can share with you. You can put in the notes there, uh, Phil, so that others can take a look at what are the actual numbers, uh, where's the focus, what segments, what, what industries. So there's definitely uh, a large uh, group of small businesses. And when you take a look at scale of Latino businesses, only 3% of Latino businesses uh, generate a uh, million dollars in revenue. And so this program at Stanford is focused on helping 
grow that cohort into helping them scale from 1 million to three to five, et cetera, by providing them with mentorship and access to capital partners to think of, uh, you know, different ways of scaling their business. So there's a number of resources I can share with you on, on those statistics there. But I think when we look at the, at, at the profession, it's definitely an area to, to look at in, in making sure that they are mirroring the, the, the growing population and also that they are going to be able to meet the needs of those service uh, of those services in those businesses. How many? You don't know how many uh, Latinos, or you said it's not all Latinos. But I think is that an all? Is that a bad term to say that everyone's a Latino? All right. What's the definition of a Latino? Sure. Uh, thank you for that question. And so that's kind of part of the work that I'm doing on Somos is kind of breaking down, you know, the reality in, in, in the U.S., there's 60 million Latinos and uh, some of them are going to identify as Hispanic. Some in the group are going to reject that term. Uh, some are going to identify as Latinx. You've heard a lot of politicians and start to reference Latinx. And some are identified differently. So when we when we use the term Latino, I mean, we just have to know that not everybody is going to receive that. But we're talking about origins from Latin America, right? And we know that across the Americas, there's North America, which includes Canada, U.S., and Mexico, is part of North America. We know that Central America uh, starts uh, in, in Guatemala and below, and then there's South America. So uh, that's an excellent question that you're asking there. So among that 60 million, individuals are going to identify differently. Um, but generally, when you use the, the, the word Latino, it's um, defining a, a group of, of th that origin. Does that make sense? Yes. Is that helpful? <laughs> are the big accounting firms, including the big four, all right. Are they discriminating in any way against Latinos as far as hiring practices that you're aware of? You know, not that I'm aware of, Phil. And it's really about, you know, as I mentioned, the, the numbers get smaller when you go from uh, Latinos in the accounting profession, then it's CPAs and then it's partners, right? So somewhere in there, you know, there needs to be, you know, uh, promotions or needs to uh, maybe better identify the talent that's already in the big four or other firms and provide them with mentorship, provide them with pathways and communicate, you know, what, what, what does a career as a, what is, what is the path to, to partner? What does that look like? And is it possible? And so they need to know that there's people that look like them in those roles. So maybe it's more of may, more leaders in those firms than uh, discrimination, right? And I can't speak for, for everyone because I myself ha have not worked in Big Four, but we do know that uh, Big Four and other accounting firms regionally do a lot of recruiting in, uh, at, at the university level. And when you are a first-generation student, when you're uh, a first-generation student like I was, there's a sense of making your family proud. And there's a sense of, you know, I'm the first in the family to do this, and not just for Latinos, but others as well. But when you have an opportunity to uh, work at a regional firm or work at a big four, there's a sense of, okay, I want to work at a big four for me to make my family proud. Like this is a big brand name. And maybe there's another firm that's regional. It's the same CPA firm, but maybe doesn't have the same kind of benefit. Uh, I'm not using the word benefits, but like, for example, uh, if people want to learn about IT, they don't have the capability of providing that 
education. Yeah, they may not. And so there's an opportunity for regional firms and some of the you know smaller local firms to uh, also reach that talent pool mm-hmm. at the university level. So it's just about maybe painting the picture of what that looks like. So yes, you could go to a larger firm and you will have that big name on your resume. But look, the path to partner is looks like this at our firm. And we specialize in these types of services and we have IT or we do app integration consulting or we do some of these kind of uh, new types of advisory services and and you'll have a hands-on opportunity at our firm uh, faster because of our speed, right? So, so there's definitely some advantages and ways to position the value that your firm brings to that young talent. Thank you so much for listening to Jaeger CPA Review and more. As a token for our appreciation for your listenership, we'd like to offer you 10% off your next purchase with Jaeger CPA Review. Save between $50 to $150 with code PODCAST10. If you'd like more information, look us up on JaegerCPAReview.com. And as always, if you've enjoyed this show, please rate and review on iTunes or your preferred listening platform. Again, thank you so much for listening, and we look forward to you tuning in next time. Bye.